0: Welcome to Dumb Love, I'm Sally Brooks.
1: And I'm Jen O'Neill, and this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love.
0: So welcome to episode 164.
1: Welcome back, everybody. How was your week?
0: Uh, last weekend, I went to Indianapolis
1: to do shows. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super fun.
0: I was at Helium, and nice. you know Dwight Simmons, right? Love Dwight. Dwight is, uh, if you guys don't know Dwight, go. He has a couple albums out. He's such a funny comedian and just like a nice,
1: the nicest person. guy. And like, his ugh. posts about his wife kill me. Yeah, like they're so sweet. I they're know the sweetest things ever. Like that's the energy. I'm looking for. <laughs> well, he is somebody, somebody that gives a shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so nice. Like, I love, I just love working with friends. You know, it's so great. I love getting to do shows with you. It was so nice. He was featuring. It was so great to do shows with him and get to see him do a set. He was just so freaking funny. And, um, and it so was funny. Yeah, he was so funny. And, uh, but the first night we were there, there was this the drunkest woman, just the drunkest lady sitting right up front. Oh man. And, you know, it's a small room and it's just as like, everybody's focus is on this woman. And I mean, I was like, you know, I tried to deal with her. I talked to her a bit. I tried to tell, you know, I told her several times like, Hey, I know you're just having fun. She was being so nice. Like I asked her at the very beginning, like how much have you drank? And she was like four wines. I was like, Great. That's
1: a bottle. A bottle that's,
0: of wine. That's a bottle of wine. And who knows what she drank before that. I mean, she was – and she was like a mom. So she, I think she just was like, I'm night having out, a night out. Yeah. Yeah. And just went too far. And like every time I'd be like, hey, can you please stop talking? Like, but nicer and funnier than that, she'd be like, okay, 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 okay. And then like two minutes later, she would forgot. Wow. So finally, the bouncers come in, they come in and talk to her a couple times and they come back in and they they're kicking. They're like, you know, asking her to leave.
1: And I'm like, OK, well, thanks for How coming. She, when they asked her to leave, was she like, wait, what? Why? Yeah, or she was, was com- she, completely confused. confused. She had that no idea. It me when people are confused, even after they've been asked like five times to be quiet. And then when the bouncers come, they're like, wait, what? I know. Well, so
0: like I had asked her, the I mean the bouncers had been had come in. Her friend had already left. Like her friend had already (gasps) been like, I'm too drunk.
1: Oh my god. I'm walking
0: out. And so she was just still sitting there, like, what's happening? (laughs) What's happening? And I'm like, Okay, thanks for coming. I'm you know, I hope you have a good rest of your night. And like I made the whole audience clap for her very politely. And she still just was standing there like, What? I'm
1: leaving. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. That actually makes me sad.
0: It does. I do wonder. I'm like, does she remember this oh, wow. happening? Wow. Yeah. It was uh it was a whole thing. And um, I just, I say that all just as like, uh, Hey, if you want to go see comedy, please go see live comedy. It is such a great fun experience, but it is not fun when you're that drunk. There's because no. you have to sit, you have to be quiet. You have to pay attention. It is not ever gonna be about you. So if you wanna get drunk, go do something anything else. Go dancing, go play putt-putt golf. Go screaming. <laughs> go scream somewhere. Go scream somewhere. Go to one of those rooms where you can break shit.
1: Oh man. I bet I've you had a wanted gra- to do that room. <gasps>
0: I think there's one there, there, in Atlanta.
1: There was one in Atlanta and then it closed before I oh. could go rage in it. I wanna go rage. The rage room. I know. I'll just have to set something up in my backyard and then Oh my
0: god, you would have so
1: many takers <laughs> uh, Anyway,
0: yeah So no, just just don't be drunk, go, just go to a rage room Go rage, yeah. go dance, go do yeah. whatever
1: dance it out Come with us to, the, there was, to the, our dance class
0: Yeah, Jen, this weekend I was uh, I was annoyed right before our dance class And Jen just looks at me, she's like Dance it out, let's just dance it out <laughs> And I was Charlie, like, you
1: know
0: what, man, actually, yeah, I'm going to dance it out. <laughs> and you did. And I did. Beautifully. I danced that it out. Funny. Anyway, how was your week? Sorry, I just launched into that whole story. Oh,
1: no. I mean, pretty good. Just busy, busy as usual. Just mm-hmm. um, uh, working, dancing it out. And, uh, and then I <laughs> chose. Yeah, um, you're like in in peak red clay. Oh, yeah. We're in the throes of festival season. And so everything's um, uh, like my brain is fried. I don't even know which way is up or down. But um, (laughs) but let me just tell you guys, don't forget about the Red Clay Comedy Festival. You can buy tickets now on redclaycomedy.com. We've got a million amazing comedians. We just announced our full lineup um, which we have our headliners which are Joel Kim Booster, Ashley Hesseltine, Are You Garbage and Sean Patton. We've got So um, lovely. It's uh, such a killer lineup. Yeah. Lace Larabee and Catherine Blanford with the Cheese Podcast. We've also got our 80s, 90s uh, cover band uh, called Forever Young which is going to be so fun for the after party which you can buy tickets to. Yes. And then we just announced the the um, uh, the, the full lineup of comedians from around the country that are all coming in from different cities to perform. So um, you can check that all out on redclaycomedy.com and buy tickets as well. Do so, it. Yeah. Do it.
0: And then let us know if you're coming. Like- yeah, Let us know to like – because I'll be there. I won't yeah. be
1: performing. I'll be running around with a headset on, but I'll give you a hug. Just come find
0: me. <laughs> yeah,
1: go find Jen. give her a hug. I mean, hug. if hugging's might... your thing, if not, I like won't touch you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. She'll just, just give you like a knowing a, a a nod. nod. Yeah. <laughs> like What oh,
1: was yeah, it last love... year when you were trying to talk to me and you had like a full-on conversation with me while I was having a conversation <laughs> with somebody else in my headset? <laughs> uh, yeah. Jen was like, uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. Like she had her her like <laughs> – Her, like, finger to her ear, and I was like, wait, what's – wait, I don't think she's talking to me. (laughs) And you were like, oh, sorry, I'm talking to Mike. And I was like, what the fuck, man?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm like, it's now become a tradition, and I can't not do it. But um, I – you know, sometimes I voice text because I'm very busy, and, Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm trying to do a million things at once. So I voice text, and so I'm used to, like, saying – the pronunciation like what do you mean question mark and like, whatever <laughs> and so I got in that habit and I didn't realize I was doing it until everybody started making fun of me but when I talk into the headset during festival, uh during the festivals I'll say like Mike did you find it question mark Mike comma <laughs> <laughs> who's supposed to be at 529 right now question mark is it you, Andrew, <laughs> question mark? No, I can't not do it now. It's just <laughs> a thing I do. Uh,
0: that's so funny.
1: Um. Sh- okay, should we do our quickies, question mark? Yes, comma, let's do it, Sally, exclamation <laughs> boy. <laughs> do it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going first this week. Um, my cookie this week comes from an article for The Sun written by Carly Stern, but the article is about a woman that, named Kayla who shared her story, um, and there's a forum for people for brides that are, you know, needing advice and help with wedding planning, all that stuff. Did you do um,
0: that when you were planning your wedding? Were you on, like, some forums about Because I was. Were you really? Yeah, I was, which... It's. I don't know if that does seems like me or doesn't seem like me, but I that like, doesn't
1: I, seem like you.
0: I got real into and, but it was. I can't remember the name of it, but it was for like, like brides on a budget. Like, that was the thing. So it was, like, how to plan your wedding under, like, X amount of uh, dollars. And it was actually really helpful. (laughs) That's cool. And I think it helped me in that, like, I then I didn't – because I can tend to get obsessive about things, like, planning Mm -hmm. things. And so I think it was, like, helpful that I then didn't spill that obsession over to, like, talking to my friends all the time about it or – Right. Ben.
1: (laughs) Who were just, like, Okay. Great. Yeah, I was like the opposite of a bride. I was the most like checked out. But, uh, well, no, I wouldn't say a checked out bride, but I was just like, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. What, like, to my, I knew where I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be in New Orleans. Um, but, yeah. And so I stuck to my guns about that because I love New Orleans and it was special to me. But, um, But as far as like all the little details, I was just like, whatever whatever (laughs) and so and it was great we had a great time um but anyway um the only thing that I was obsessive about and I remembered obsessing about this for weeks and it was so fun and I tell people this all the time now when they get married and they worry about it and I said I obsessed over this thing for weeks and at the end it made no difference what I was like to obsess over it. it. It helped nothing. It changed nothing. It's going to be what it is no matter what. And either way you make it a great day. I obsessed over the weather because it was an outdoor wedding. Oh so yeah. I'm like, ch- what are you going to do? I checked like the farmer's almanac, like, like weeks leading up to the wedding. I would check the weather like obsessively to see, Oh, okay. It looks good now. Oh shit. Now it doesn't. Now it looks yeah. good. Now it doesn't. And at the end of the day, it like, it rained. It rained uh-huh. during the wedding while I was standing outside in my wedding dress <laughs> in the rain, um, but it was fine. And we yeah. and then we ended up having the ceremony inside. And I mean, I'm sorry. The we had the ceremony outside in the rain, and then the party inside. I was a mess. My hair looked crazy, but I had I had fun. And you know, it is it was what it was. But obsessing over it and like trying to, it, it's not going to change the outcome. So just like let it go and. Save your mental space and just have a good time. <laughs> I agree. Yeah,
0: we. I mean, it rained on our wedding day as well, and our, mm-hmm. we also had an outdoor wedding it, at a summer camp, like where the whole day was planned for people to do activities. Like we had, like we had the ropes course open. We had like people could go on like go swimming or go on the canoes, like do all of these outdoor things. And it was like so it's June, and it was like fifty degrees and like pouring rain, and it actually. I think it was better for me because the it started raining early and I knew it was going to rain all day. And so it just was like, I could accept it <laughs> like we just moved everything inside by the time the ceremony was over the weather had cleared so we could go outside on like this deck but like we were going to get married like on this lake and where Ben proposed but it just like didn't turn out so
1: yeah um and but yeah know, I just you and Ben are still happily married and I'm divorced. you just you, what do you, mean? <laughs> you just you know, never know you it doesn't make a difference I don't know <laughs> <laughs> So what I'm saying is,
0: like, it could really go either way. It really could. <laughs> <laughs> Staring at the weather isn't
1: going to change a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so anyway, uh, so Kayla shared. So there's this wedding forum called Wedding uh, Wedding Wire. And uh, I'm just going to read to you what she posted um, on May 16, 2022. Um That it was under the column um, etiquette and advice. She was asking everybody's advice. And it says, hello, I'm due in July and I have my sister's wedding June 11th. All my babies did try to come early, around 33, 34 weeks. I also had a C-section in May of 2021 with my twins. My C-section is scheduled for 38 weeks. Her worry is that I'll go into labor, and if I do, she said, under no circumstances am I to say a word to just leave. Um, Let me just say that this... Long post is one big run-on sentence. Okay. So, um, <laughs> you put in comments where you think. No said. disrespect, Kayla, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Punctuation here and there is a good thing. Anyway, so uh, – She said, uh, my C-section is scheduled for 38 weeks. Her worry is I'll go into labor. And if I do, she said, under no circumstances am I to say a word, just leave. She also asked me not to post on Facebook or even text my parents until the next day, which I told her I don't plan on announcing at her wedding that I'm in labor or going to the hospital. Um, Kayla, just slow down. (laughs) Slow down. Use your words. She said, I'm going to the hospital. Do the baby. But I do have to tell our parents because they're watching our kids and she's not okay with that. But if I'm leaving my own sister's wedding that I'm a maid of honor in, people will know anyway. She said, even if they ask if I'm okay, say yes and walk away. She even said um, also that she would rather me say if someone asked me if I'm in labor to say, no, I'm going to go F my husband in a closet. (laughs) What? That is insane. That is just like so much more jarring than saying like, yeah, I'm in labor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm eight and a half months pregnant, but I'm going to go. (laughs)
1: my husband (laughs) in a closet oh no nothing is here and so anyway so she said um, I know it's her special day and I would never want to ruin it but I feel she's gone overboard she now asked me not to wear my nose ring and nose piercings clothes really fast is what she said Mm -hmm. Uh, I it was a fight and I said I wouldn't take it out for the wedding to only wear a stud I'm stressed out due to how she's been acting about it I have Becomes stressed due to other things. Demands that she has for the wedding slash bachelorette party. Am I not being fair? These are things I would never expect from someone in my wedding when I got married. Her wedding was planned before I found out that I was pregnant. And I had not planned to be pregnant at her wedding. Accidents happen. is what she
0: said. (laughs) Um, So,
1: I mean... I, what do you think about, like, I personally, I think, like, the whole, like, don't tell anybody that you're in labor thing is crazy.
0: I mean, I can understand being like, hey, don't make a whole scene of it. Like, just walk, like, go out, like, quietly. Yeah, just quietly excuse yourself. But, like, don't tell your parents or don't tell people who are watching your children,
1: like. Yeah, yeah, you you can't say until the next day. I don't know. Like, I feel like if during my wedding, if someone went into labor I would not have been like, shut the fuck up about this. (laughs) Don't you dare say. I would have been like, that's like, wow, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think think that's just like a a special moment that you cannot plan for. That I think that if it happens on your wedding day, it's actually just kind of a cool thing that happened during your wedding.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? I I do, but it also sounds like um, maybe the the writer, the person who wrote this, like, is like a little bit self involved as well. So maybe the sister has a point.
1: Do you know oh, what I mean? Like, she's had a lot of kids. Yeah, it does sound like she's had a lot of kids. so Maybe she's like, will you stop having kids during people's weddings? Because it's right. like really getting annoyed. I mean, I don't know. It's just a vibe I get.
0: Just a vibe.
1: <laughs> it definitely sounds to me like they have some issues. But yeah, I, yes. but with the nose ring, you can take your nose ring. I used to have a nose ring. They do close fast, but you could for a day take your nose ring out. Take your it's nose not ring out if your deal. sister wants you to take your nose ring out. It's your, her sister, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If
0: she wants you to take your nose ring out, like, I mean, yes, it's like, it's not something I would ever request because that's just not important to me, but like right. different things and especially people who have like always dreamed of their wedding. People get crazy on their wedding day.
1: Yeah, I guess they do. But everybody, it looks like most of the people um, say that her sister's being absolutely ridiculous.
0: I do think that with the request to, like,
1: not tell anybody (laughs) is kind of crazy. Yeah, I know. And especially crazy is the, listen, if you're going to say anything, tell people you're going to fuck your husband in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you're having sex in the closet. Like, that's so weird to me. You could just say like, oh, my stomach hurts. Or like, I'm feeling dizzy. I'm going to go lay down. Like, you know, or something like that. Like, why would would that be your go-to? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard.
0: I feel like, here's my take on it. Is that like that... Was something the pregnant sister was like, Well, what am I supposed to tell him? What am I supposed to tell him? What am I supposed to tell him? And then the other sister was like, Just go tell him you're fucking your husband in a closet. I don't care. Yeah.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what that sounds like. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that's a like, here's our plan. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I've really thought long and hard about this. This is what I want you to say. You no, know, you're right. That Nobody's going to question that, exactly that at all. Exactly what happened. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well now we know how we feel should anyone go into labor.
0: Yeah, during a wedding. Go you you know? fuck your husband in a closet. Yeah.
1: If I ever tell you
0: that I'm going to fuck my husband in a closet, then probably in labor. <laughs> That'll
1: be our code word for <laughs> That's, that's going to be word for the... going into labor from here from here on out. Either that or go just go like instead of like an Irish goodbye, and... that's Wait, what did you say? <laughs> I said, or
0: like, that's like, a, instead of an Irish goodbye, that's what you yeah. say. Like, if you're like, hey, Sally, where are you going? <laughs> I'm going to go fuck my husband in a closet. It just means like, hey, I'm I'm, I'm really tired. Home.
1: <laughs> I'm really tired. Of <laughs> well. All
0: right, deal. I'm going to hold you to that. All right. <laughs> you know I will. You know I will.
1: I know
0: you will. Um, well, I love that. And uh, Okay, here's my quickie. It is from um, Aaron Keller, from the New York Post and CNN by David Williams. Okay, before I do this quickie, I need to ask you, Jen, mm-hmm. and I don't want this to be patronizing, but mm-hmm. do you know what? Do you know
1: what an airdrop is? Like on an iPhone? You know what? It's really funny that you said that because I just airdropped someone the other day. Oh, and it was so you? funny because a police officer needed footage from one of our buildings and him and I both were like, we're going to figure this out. <laughs> 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 we're going to figure out how to airdrop." and we sat there like, like he was at my office and we sat there for like 30 minutes trying to figure out how to, so I could airdrop these things. And so I do know what it is and I now know how to do it. i love it (laughs) look at you you're
0: you're tiktok and you're airdropping i know (laughs) grandma jen is coming into woman
1: of the twenty (laughs) twenty (laughs)
0: two. okay well good so this is uh uh this is this is a story that involves airdropping. Okay. So, okay, so on August 27th, the passengers on a southwest flight from Houston to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico got quite a different kind of announcement from the pilot. He came over the loudspeaker and he was like, uh, okay, folks, so here's the deal. If this continues while we're on the ground, I'm gonna have to pull back to the gate. Everybody's gonna have to get off, we're gonna have to get security involved, and vacation is gonna be ruined. And then he said, so you folks, whatever the airdrop thing is, quit sending naked pictures and let's get yourself to Cabo.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. So like when you airdrop, people can see your pictures?
0: Well, I think when you airdrop, you can see, like if you go to airdrop, you can see everybody who has an iPhone who has their settings open to airdrop. So somebody on the plane had brought that up and then just airdropped every single person on the plane (gasps) who had that ability a naked picture of himself
1: oh my god that is so funny and now i'm wondering like how many people in the neighborhood have footage now of this fire
0: (laughs) oh no so if you just pressed the the police guys thing then it it will just go to him you have to like select each person (laughs) <laughs> I know I'm kind it doesn't of just go everywhere. I'm kidding a little, but, but I mean it not. could happen. So, yeah. um, there was a woman who shot this woman, um, Taylor Marsalis, shot the video of the pilot giving that announcement, and she said that she got the airdrop but she declined it, so she couldn't see it. But two women in front of her accepted the airdrop and then showed her the photo. Oh my god! So a woman That's got so upset funny. and reported it to the flight attendant but they couldn't figure out who it was because it was just this guy's penis (laughs) oh my god couldn't identify him it wasn't like it was like this is don smith's iphone it just said like from iphone so the flight attendant told the pilot and then the pilot you know uh made that announcement and apparently nothing else happened a flight attendant like went around to check on everyone nobody owned up to it and after about 10 minutes they took off and so nothing else happened. But apparently right. this is not an isolated incident on Southwest Airlines because this has happened before. On June 28th, in a now viral TikTok video, a user named Daddy Strange 333 actually a woman, um, showed a video of a guy that she called Larry who apparently airdropped a graphic photo to all of the passengers, a photo of him getting oral sex. Oh. And she said, I, she said, in this case, they knew who it was. So she saw his iPad had airdrop open. So she's like, I knew it was him. And yes, I sure did make a scene. <laughs> um, so she called a flight attendant over the flight aden- attendant. asked this guy, Larry, she was like, why are you doing Larry. that? Yeah, of course. She said, why are you doing that? And the guy goes, just having a little fun. Oh, my God. And then Daddy Strange was like, it's sexual harassment. It's disgusting. And so apparently in the moment. It is. It is sexual harassment. It is like, it's, yes, it's, it's like, it's an assault. It's like an assault on someone. So apparently in the moment, he apologized. But then very quickly, he went back to looking at the photo on his iPad And so um, she said that there was a child who was sent the photo because he just gave (gasps) it to – airdropped it to everyone. Oh, my God. But they didn't approve the airdrop, and she said that his dad was ready to fight this guy. So this time, because they knew who it was, when they landed, Larry was escorted off the plane by the FBI, and she and seven or eight other passengers were all – interviewed and they don't know what happened but the agents reportedly told her they were going to book him for the weekend so
1: Good. no
0: i couldn't find anything about what happened to that guy but i will sh- i will post the picture of that guy and you will be like oh yeah that makes sense that looks like a guy who would do that Ugh.
1: yeah Fuck that yeah guy. disgusting Ugh. i
0: Good. know men are gross
1: they really are why we don't want to see your shit man you know i was just talking about this the other day and i was uh well i was talking to another female about it but i was talking to uh, about how like in the past i when i talked to a male about this they were like what that happens to you and i'm like all the time Hmm. like if men don't realize that this happens but women are like yeah like on a tuesday Like it happens all the time. If you're driving in the car and the car to the right of you, it looks like it's driving a little erratic. It's usually because they're jerking off while looking at you. And I know that that sounds crazy. And like men cannot wrap their head around that like this happens to women if if you're not that kind of guy, you know, that would do something like that. But it happens all the time. And when oh, you yeah. and so and once you're a woman and you're aware of it, you can see it from a mile away. But I remember I was driving in the car with my friend Lindsay, uh, and this is like a couple of years ago. We were driving to a birthday dinner, and she's like, "What the hell is going on with this car next to us?" And I was just like, "He's jerking off," <laughs> and she was like, "What?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, look at him." And then because like I refused to look, I already yeah. know what's oh, happening. Yeah. And so then she looked at him and she was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Lindsay, I can't believe you are just now, like you know." like 40 years old and realizing that this is something that happens because it's, I know. it's it's crazy. I hate that it happens. Yes. There are so many disgusting men out there, but I just wish that more regular men that are not disgusting knew that this happened so that maybe they could be aware of it and try to be allies and help us to yeah. stop this from happening. But unfortunately it fucking happens.
0: It happens. It happens all the time. It's, uh, I mean, that in the car, like walking down the street, like whatever. I mean, I think I was like 11 the first time I was, a guy showed me his penis outside the library. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's like, it's so fucked up. And I wish that more people were aware of it. Help stop this from happening. Oh my,
0: I, and it does, it makes you, um, it's like when, when people wonder why women are, are like prickly. to men like strange men it's because of these experiences. like when we were on our way um on wednesday when we were going to dance class i stopped at a red light and this guy pulls up next to me and like he stops not like you know he doesn't pull all the way up to his part on the red light he's like obviously trying to talk to me and i'm just like fuck you like what are you gonna what are you even trying to say to me like i because i was just like i know he's gonna say something disgusting but he was like kind of like motioning to me like, hey, watch out, you know, and I so I rolled down my window and he was like, hey, that that car behind you, you might want to pull up a little bit, because this truck behind you almost hit you. And it wasn't my fault. But it was like they, they were really close to me. He was like, I just yeah. didn't want you to get I just didn't want you to get hit.
1: And I was like, oh,
0: (laughs) yes, it was a totally a nice guy. But I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help but like be suspicious of dudes like that. And then he was like, are you having an okay day? And I was like, yeah, thanks. How are you? He was like, good. And then he just rolls up the window and moved on. But I'm like, but I've had so many instances like that where it has not gone that way that I'm like, I'm always on guard. (laughs)
1: yeah like if a car is right next to me and driving crazy and honking like i'm gonna like not look at you no just because of my experience yeah fuck off with your dick out god yeah makes me sick anyways Uh, anyways (laughs) should we get into (laughs) our big crazy story for the let's do it So my story this week comes from an article for clarkprosecutor.org, an article for Wikipedia, um, an article, or should I say an article for, it's just Wikipedia, (laughs) and also- Yeah, somebody wrote that. (laughs) Murderpedia. Oh, yeah. Um, An article for sarcasm.net, and then also an episode of Snapped Killer Couples. Jen, is this, is there a murder in here? there's a murder in here just like what? you guys
0: like it the fuck I know, Sorry. <laughs> were you just like i just can't i gotta find a murder yeah honestly it's so much easier to find true crime stories with murders than not murders i
1: know <laughs> it's so easy to find murders are dime a dozen it's true um <laughs> all right so on uh, march 12 1992 in um the Rivercrest neighborhood of fort worth texas which diane gallagher um Friend of the podcast. I have a feeling that Diane's gonna be like, I know that name like cause she's from Texas and she knows everything. <laughs> she Hi, always Diane. knows the people she's like, I live next I, door
0: to that person and they're my I, hairstylist. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or I went to school with his daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um mm-hmm. so Rivercrest is a really affluent neighborhood. It's like where all of the millionaires live, you know, like it's like a golfing community, it's all mansion So it's a very safe, low crime community. Um But um, that morning, at 4 a.m. that morning on March 12, 1992, the Fort Worth police received a 911 call. Um, The man on the phone said that his neighbor had just showed up on his doorstep and he was just in his boxer shorts, bloody and in a total panic. Um, He said that the man had been badly beaten and that his neck was covered in blood. The man, whose name was Jack Coslow, told his neighbor, the man that was on the phone, um, that two people had broken into their house, beaten him and his wife, Karen, and that he thought that his wife might be dead. Um, Mm -hmm. So police and paramedics rushed to the scene. And when the paramedics got there, they tended to Jack, while the police then rushed inside Jack's house to look for Karen. And unfortunately, they found her at the foot of their bed, um, and she was sadly deceased. Um, but the big question was who would want Karen Kaslow dead? Um, so, Karen Kaslow, just to give you information about her, she was born in 1951. Um, She was actually an oil heiress. She was very wealthy and she came from like a long line of oil tycoons. Um, I like,
0: like I perked up. I was like, ooh, an oil heiress.
1: Now I'm listening. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I don't know what you said before that, but I love a story about a rich lady.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so, um, in fact, when she was a young girl, her uncle had actually set up a trust fund for her um, to where she, it was a $4 million trust fund. So basically she was set for life. You know, even from when she was a small girl, but she still worked. She had a career in commercial banking, um, which is actually where she met her husband, Jack Coslow, in the early 1980s. Um, He was also a successful commercial banker. Um, He was a manager at a major bank in Fort Worth. And um, that's where they met. They fell in love and then they married in uh, the late 1980s. So they were like this power couple, you know, because they were both very successful. They had a lot of money, um, but they gave a lot back to the community. They were always holding fundraisers and they raised money for children's hospitals. Um, Karen was actually the chairman of the Jewel Charity Ball, which is apparently a really big deal there. They also had a daughter named Christy. Um, so Christy was Jack's adopted daughter from his previous marriage to his first wife, Paula. When they had married, they um, adopted her. And then when Christy was six years old, Jack and Paula divorced. They remained close by. like Her and her mom lived very close by, just a half a mile away, but in more of like a a middle-class neighborhood it wasn't in the big fancy Ridgecrest neighborhood yeah but um but so while Chrissy lived with Paula and Paula took care of her she would always go and visit Jack and Karen a lot um so by 1990 Jack had actually decided to retire from banking and was planning on investing in a ceiling fan company I really like wonder what makes a person be like that's that's the thing right Stealing fans that's good. i know, I, know. <laughs> I just really like it i guess um, it's funny because like my nephew when he was little he was obsessed with fans and like for his like third he but he's just a- he's a genius he always just wants to he takes things apart put it back together he just wants to know how everything works that's just how he works yeah um he's so smart but um, I remember, like, I think it was like his third birthday, and my sister in law sent us all like an Amazon wish list for his birthday of like what he wanted, and it was all like fans, like <laughs> like motorized fans, and so yeah. like we we all bought him fans for his birthday, but that's what he wanted. <laughs> anyway, um, I so love that. it was so cute. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, he decided to retire from banking and. And get into the ceiling fan business, and and but Karen actually supported his career change; she was fine with it. But then, in um, 1992, this tragedy happens. So Jack is badly beaten, and and Karen has is sadly deceased. And so when the police interviewed Jack, he was too bloody and disoriented and beaten like they couldn't really get much information from him at that time he like didn't even know what was going on but Mm -hmm. so when the police investigated the scene they could see a few things they saw that there were some bloody handprints on her t-shirt like someone had moved her body they also um found a knife on the floor that was covered in blood and then when they looked at karen closer they saw that that her neck had been cut so badly that it almost decapitated her (gasps) i know This is the stuff they want, Sally. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) We're giving the people what they want.
0: I don't think this is probably not making them feel very good when we're just (laughs) like, (laughs) you sick fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Like somebody's holding us to this.
1: (laughs) How could you? (laughs) This is in the story. Anyway, uh, so they also found a shotgun um, with two shells on the ground and they found um, a room full, like there was a closet that was full of guns, but nothing had been taken and nothing else had been taken from the home, which was strange because they were millionaires and they had tons of valuables, but there was blood all over the room. Like someone had been looking for something, but nothing was missing. Um, Mm -hmm. they could also see that the gate outside the house had been pried open with a pry bar and the back door had also been opened with a pry bar. Uh, But the rest of the house was totally normal besides just the pried open gate and door and then the bedroom where the scene of the crime happened. But but everything else looked normal in the house and and like no jewelry was stolen, nothing. And so the detectives ended up going to the hospital at three o'clock. 3 p.m. the next day to talk to jack so when they got there the doctors informed them that you know he had it looks like he had been beaten with a blunt object and that his neck was also cut too but not enough to kill him and they also said that his hands were really swollen and it Mm -hmm. looked at his it looked as if his there were like bite marks on his hands and so when the police asked Jack about the bite marks he couldn't explain it he's like I don't know like he said that he all he could tell them was that he went to bed at 10 p.m. that night and then Karen went to bed shortly after him and then in the middle of the night he was uh, woken by the sound of the house alarm going off And that he heard people running up the stairs. And he said that when he looked, he saw that there were two men, but it was dark. So he couldn't get a good look at him. And he said that the two men ordered them both to the floor and started beating them. And he said that that's when he lost consciousness. But when he woke up, the men were gone. He checked on Karen um, and he couldn't get her to wake up. And that's when he went to dial 911. But he said that the blood was in his eyes. So he couldn't see to dial the phone. So he ran over to his neighbor's house for help. So this looked suspicious, you know. <laughs> what I, yeah. I was taking
0: him at his word. Exactly. Little. Everything seemed exactly Sh- right.
1: Suspicious. Uh, so, <laughs> so Jack was actually, you know, this looked suspicious to everyone. So Jack was, you know, of course, like the number one suspect, you know, because it usually yeah. is the spouse. So they started digging into uh, Jack and Karen's marriage. Um, And they discovered that, you know, you know, it looked like most of their wealth actually came from Karen, especially like Jack had money, too, but it wasn't like four million dollars money like Karen had, you know, Um, when they interviewed Karen's friends, they said that um, Karen and Jack had been going through some issues um, that they were in couples therapy, which does not murder a make. Just saying, lots well, of couple. <laughs> and, um, but you said they were arguing about money and Jack's new ceiling fan business venture. Um, she was, was like, like, "But why? But just
0: explain <laughs> it to like, me. Like, what what like, do you like about ceiling what? fans?" <laughs> yeah.
1: And so, um, and then they saw that um, they realized that the knife that was actually used to kill her what belonged to Jack. It was his knife. And mm-hmm. so, of course, rumors around town started to swirl, and everyone just assumed that Jack did this. And so, four days after the murder, at, um, at Karen's funeral, people were shocked when he came to the funeral and was actually a bear. Everybody was like, "Like, th- this looks ter- Like, so weird that you would even come here." But he he went to his wife's funeral and he, you know, said his goodbyes and laid her to rest and. Um, Jack's 17-year-old daughter, Christy, um, she stood by her dad and she, like, you know, because people were just so shocked by the fact that he came to the funeral that Christy decided to hold a press conference on, the, on their front lawn um, where she defended her dad. And she told everyone, you know, how much her dad loved Karen and that he couldn't have and wouldn't have done this to her, um, that they don't, that someone else is out there, but they just don't know who it is. And so detectives asked Jack's ex-wife Paula to come down to the station to see if she had any insight into Jack and Karen's relationship. You know, when she went down to the station, when Paula went down to the station, she brought Christy, her daughter, and then also Christy's 19-year-old boyfriend, Brian Salzer came with them. Paula told the police that she didn't really know anything about their relationship, that, you know, she wasn't really that involved, but she, did, she didn't think that Jack had it in him to hurt her. Like he, he, she was like, that just doesn't seem like him. And Christy agreed, like, yeah, my dad wouldn't have done this. And so the detectives, uh, like, while Brian was there, the detectives asked him, like, did you know anything about? their their relationship and he was like oh i've only met them a few times like him and christy had only been dating for like four months you know he'd only met them a couple of times yeah um so brian was like um 19 she was 17 he came from like a nice middle-class family but he said that the coslas were always really nice to him um and he didn't know who would have would have killed them So even though Jack was a suspect and like the number one suspect, there wasn't any evidence really. So he hadn't been arrested. But then two weeks later, a break in the case came when the police got a phone call from someone saying that they needed to talk to them. This person was 20 year old Paul Carrero. Um, The police immediately went and met them, met him to be like, well, what do you need to tell us? And he told them that his friend Jeffrey Dillingham Um, had recently come to see him and told him that he needed help covering something up. Um, What he did- (laughs) Jeffrey, Jeffrey, what a dummy. So (laughs) so he even had the evidence. So apparently Jeffrey had gone to his friend, Paul, and asked him, handed him over a backpack and asked him to get rid of it. He didn't, Paul kept it. When he turned it over to the police, inside the backpack was Jack Coslow's wallet and ID, a bulletproof vest- a bag of bloody clothes and a bloody metal pry bar. So police are like, who is this like 19 year old kid, Jeffrey, and why would he want to hurt the Coslos? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Paul Carrero told them that he was just going along with his friend who had asked him to help him with the murder. And that friend was Steven Salter, Christy <gasps> Coslos' boyfriend. What? Yeah. But why would Twist. He- Yes. Why would he want to hurt them? You know, like and so police start looking into these these kid, their kids are like nineteen mm-hmm. years old, Jeffrey and and Steven. and they're like this is so weird. They're like honor roll students. They come from nice families. They have zero criminal background. They're like they were like nerds, really. Like they both. Yeah. It's funny because they look like identical nerds. Like they fucking look, nerds. They look exactly <laughs> the same, and they both had those, those same like um like kind of Jeffrey Dahmer eye gla- like glasses, you know? Yeah. That kind of look, but it uh-huh. exactly the same. So the police went down to uh the first. They went down to Jeffrey's work and they arrested him, which he went willingly and quietly. It, they said that it was at his video store, which I just assume is Blockbuster. So just <laughs> picture them going to <laughs> Blockbuster too. Um, yeah, and they're like, oh,
0: there's empty behind every single one i know do you have any videos how about (laughs)
1: now did somebody return it now can you check it now can you check it now i was always that like that little girl that would like (laughs) ride up to blockbuster like is it did they return it yet how about now (laughs) now?" (laughs) stock out the
0: new releases section
1: yeah They arrested him and they brought him in for questioning and they assumed that the questioning would be difficult. You know, they would have to try to force information out of him. But Jeffrey told them everything immediately. Um, he told them that Stephen had asked him for help to break into the couple's home. He admitted that he did beat the couple with a crowbar, but that he said that it was Brian that found the knife and used it to kill Karen. Um, and he said that the entire thing was orchestrated by Christy Coslow. He said Jesus. that she asked them to kill them because he said that if her dad and stepmom were dead, that she would inherit $4 million. And that if they killed him, killed them, she would give them each a million dollars each. Uh-huh. Um So they took her up on it. And so then the police then go and they arrest Brian and Christy. Um, when they interviewed Brian, Brian told them that he was madly in love with Christy and that he would do anything that she wanted. I mean, four months in, dude. Get yeah. a backbone. Yeah, it's like that's just wild to me.
0: It's so wild. It's all wild. It's all yeah. yeah.
1: So he so he said that he was madly in love with Christy and that she would do anything that he wanted. He said that even just a few weeks into their relationship is when she first brought this up. She he said that she had even like drew them a map of the house showed them where they slept Um, he and he admitted that on March 12th at Christie's request they went over to the Coslos and that they had taken two guns from Jeffrey's father's house and that Jeffrey was wearing a bulletproof vest the reason that he wore the vest was because Christie had told them that Jack kept guns in his closet. And mm. so he wore it as a safety measure. And then Brian said that Jeff used the pry bar to open the gate in the back door. And that as he was entering in the alarm code um, that Christie had given him, he said that Jeffrey had already run up the stairs and started beating the couple with the pry bar and that it was Jeffrey. He used the knife to kill Karen. So basically mm-hmm. Jeffrey and Brian are both saying that the other person did it, you know, committed the actual murder, but they both are saying that it was all Christie's idea. And so when they questioned Christy, she actually admitted it. She admitted that she hated Karen. She said that she blamed her for taking her dad away from her. She said that she also resented Karen because she lived a nicer lifestyle than her and her mom. Ugh. Like she thought that it was unfair that like Christy got to live in this like beautiful mansion while her and her mom are living like a middle class life style. And it's like, but it was Christy's money. Yeah, you know what I mean? So like, anyway, so, yeah. anyway, so she um, she said that she admitted to being like the mastermind behind it, but she said that she thought that it was going to be quick and painless, not this brutal. Um, not that, that I makes, you know what I mean? It doesn't really make it better. She said that she thought that she deserved to live the lifestyle that Jack and Karen were living. But here's the thing, and Christy didn't even know this, but she wasn't even in the will. Karen had actually removed her from it. And I wonder why Karen did that. Yeah. I'm like, like what happened before some, this? Yeah. So, so the thing was, is she would never have gotten any of the money anyway. Not, and I know this happens a lot on this podcast and we always say, so it was for nothing. It, it, it's always for nothing. Any right. murder is always for nothing, but it's like, it's just like a little saltier. This was for no, like you wouldn't have even have gotten anything. Like what, the, like, it's just so senseless that this happened. Yeah. So, um, so Jack, when he found out that it was his daughter, you know, he was devastated. You know, he was angry. He was sad. Like he was beaten severely and his wife was murdered. And then he finds out that his daughter did it. Like, can you imagine the betrayal? Yeah, I don't know
0: how you like.
1: I know. Move past that. So now all three of them. Christy, Jeffrey, and Brian were all facing the death penalty. So Jeffrey Dillingham went to trial first, and he was offered life in prison if he would testify against Brian and Christy, and he turned it down. Oh. And so in August of 1993, he was found guilty and sentenced to death by lethal injection. And then in 2001, at the age of 27, he was executed by the state of Texas. Oh. And then Brian was offered this uh, the same deal, and he took it. To testify against Christie. He agreed. He took the yeah. plea deal and he received a life sentence with the possibility for parole in 35 years. Uh, so he is eligible for parole in 2027, which is not far away, and he'll be 54 years old. And then, even though Christie admitted to the murder, when she went, she actually pled not guilty. She said that while she might have said something to these guys, it was these guys that actually carried it all out. So, but the the jury was like no, and after three just three hours of deliberating, they found her guilty on all charges. And in on June 30th, 1994, she was sentenced to life in prison with possibility of parole after 34 years. Um, and in 2027, at the age of 52, she will be eligible for parole, which is like just a few crazy, years away. yeah, I know. Yeah, so that's the story and that's <sighs> a happy ending, and it's very sad
0: well great job (laughs) (laughs) good job Jen great job um (laughs) well that like you know I think we're so uh used to it being like okay I bet I bet somebody did come attack you and killed your wife but you're not dead like it's the husband man so not only did his like wife die he got almost murdered it turns out to be his daughter but also he was the suspect
1: i know can you imagine like what it must be like to go to your wife's funeral when everyone thinks that you did it yes i mean it's just uh terrible yeah huh all right breaking you got something good yes i, I do hope so Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally.
0: Are you ready for a love story? I am. This is the sweetest love story because it is the love of a grandson and his grandma. (laughs) Aw. Yes. Okay. So I got my information from the Washington Post by Sydney Page, our girl, Sydney Page. Um, from Upworthy by Suchitra B, from Guidepost.org by Daisy Ergyles and Carolina Pachardo. Okay, so seven years ago, Brad Ryan was stunned when he found out that his grandmother, Joy, who he knew like loved nature, she was actually the one who encouraged him to like go out and explore nature, she told him that she had never seen a mountain in person. So she was 85 at the time, and she had lived her whole life in this small town of Duncan Fall, Ohio. And at the time, Brad was in his final year of veterinary school at Ohio State University, and Joy had been a widow for 20 years. So Brad asked Joy if she would be interested in taking a road trip with him to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And she said, what time are you picking me up? Yeah, so she said you can just stay in your little corner of the world for so long. She said that she had worked her whole life at this deli up until her husband and her dog passed away. And so she said she has very little besides her church community that was holding her home. She said there wasn't anything here. And so I just thought it'll be nice to have a little adventure. So in October of 2015, they packed up Brad's car and they hit the road and they drove through the night To the Smoky Mountains. So at the park, she saw not only mountains, but she climbed mountains with him. Brad said even when the rain was pouring down, she was smiling. And Brad said that he asked her because he said, I felt bad she was always living vicariously through my stories. And just knowing that she had never seen deserts and mountains and the ocean and these incredible wild places on Earth, it just felt like a responsibility that I had to her to make sure she had some memories to take away in her life as well. He said that he thought like going on a camping trip with his 85 year old grandma was going to be pretty challenging, but he actually said he was proved wrong. He said that was my misperception of what age means and more importantly, what her spirit would allow her to do. Um, She said she's always open to trying new things because she didn't want to have to regret the next day that you didn't do it. So before this trip, Brad was actually struggling with his own mental health. He said that he was battling severe depression and imposter syndrome and that grandma joy was actually recovering from a recent health scare that had forced her to temporarily leave her house. Um, so he said that like his grandma's declining health is what made him reach out to her. He said, I remember the intense guilt. I felt like she could go at, at any time. And I've already lost all this time. I'm never going to, I was never going to know how to make those raisin dough cookies Or know what I was like as a kid. And I'm never going to know how she met my grandpa. And so he said, actually, they had been very close. He says he remembers running with her, catching frogs in her neighborhood park in Duncan Falls. And he said, you know, she was the one who was adamant about him being out in nature. He said, I think my love of animals, in part, comes from the exposure that I got to nature from her. But when Brad was first in college, his parents got divorced. And so there was... A 10 year period, actually, where he and his grandma didn't speak. So he said that when he was, you know, when he heard that she had gotten sick and when he was, you know, kind of battling his own depression, he reached out to her and he said, We really had to start our relationship from scratch. And he said that taking her on this trip was kind of his way to do that. And he said, I was trying to do something to help her and she ended up saving me in the process. From there, we just realized there was more we wanted to see and do together. So, since that first trip in 2015, they decided to make it their mission to visit all 63 national parks together. And actually, so far, they have been to 62
1: wow that's yeah so
0: cool i know so brad said what would have been a typical grandson grandparent relationship turned into the closest friendship i could ever imagine having with someone i don't think there's any stone we've left unturned in terms of sharing our life stories and his grandma said he's my best friend that's for sure that is I so know. sweet oh i so love that it's it's amazing their first trip Brad paid for but you know he was a poor vet student and mm-hmm. his grandmother was widowed and had worked in a deli her life so she didn't really have money to travel so he ended up starting a gofundme page um which like first they they raised like 3000 and then they raised 9000 and so that actually paid for a month long road trip together in 2017 during which they saw 21 national parks
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, and then in 2018 they got to see four more national parks, and then in 2019 they took a 45-day road trip visiting 20 national parks across 14 states. And so, you know, Brad had jobs at this point. He um, is now a consultant. He lives in DC for different veterinary clinics, and so, um, so he will take these longer trips while he's in between jobs, and then he'll use vacation for shorter trips. And on each trip. Joy, who is now in her 90s, she has, like, embraced challenges. She's gone mountain climbing. She sleeps in tents. She's gone whitewater rafting. Um, And Joy says, I'm always willing to try something different. She said, with Brad by her side, she feels safe. He's very considerate. He always holds my arm. He's the sweetest boy. He just makes my heart sing. I wish more grandmas had grandsons like him. I know. So she's, uh, Brad said that like sometimes, you know, they have to modify some of their adventures to kind of suit Grandma Joy's needs. He says, and he said, but there are lessons to be learned in slowing down too. But he said 99% of the time, if I ask if she wants to do something, she says, well, give it a whirl. So in 2021, they went to Alaska and they saw eight national parks. They hiked glaciers and fjords. They went and saw like wild animals. She said, I always wanted to see bears, see the bears get the fish. And I finally got to see it. And it was fun. It really was. So they have one left, National Park of America, Samoa, and they're going to try to do it within the last year. And they said the final stop will be bittersweet, Um, Joy said. It will be a glad day and a sad day, but they're not going to stop their adventuring. She said, we'll just start going to state parks. Yeah. I know. So he said that they're hoping Mm -hmm. like to continue to travel and perhaps even travel abroad. And he said it has been the most rewarding thing he has ever done. He said as a grandfather, As a grandson, watching her life story unfold completely differently than it otherwise would, it gives me peace. She finally got to start living the life of adventure she had always been waiting for and deserved.
1: Isn't that awesome? Yes. I love that story so much.
0: I know. It gives me chills. And I just, uh, they're so cute. They have um, an Instagram page. Brad started documenting their trips in um in 2019 so you can see a bunch of their trips Um, and it's called grandma joy's road trip and they're just the cutest um and there's beautiful pictures of course because there's all these national parks so give them a follow and uh you know let's all just start living a life adventure that we we want. yeah let's do it let's be like grandma joy and brad okay i'm gonna do it do it i'm (laughs) Um, gonna all right cool um all right. all right well let's do something dumb and something we love
1: i guess for something dumb i don't really have any dumb i guess i would just say um it's dumb that my boy is growing up <laughs> it is son, dumb i know he's uh sully turned 12 this week uh and he's so he's so sweet we had um it's funny we had a little birthday party for him with his friends I took him to um the escape room and it was so fun like it's just like I love having a nerd son I love yeah. it they're such sweet boys and they like they've been plot like like Sully's been watching YouTube videos for like weeks in preparation for the escape room like learning tips and stuff and then when his friends came over he made them all sit down and watch this one youtube video to give them like tips and like he was determined like we are going to escape this room team and they did thank god i love that
0: they were like yeah that makes sense we should be prepared like not like you know yeah yeah, absolutely (laughs) yeah
1: take notes and then uh yeah um so then and then afterwards like they all came over and had pizza and whatever and then they just sat around the table playing like Dungeons and Dragons Settlers of Catan like just like they didn't even make a peep they were just so polite and sweet I was like I think I'm gonna (laughs) go watch a tv show like you guys don't even meet it was awesome but yeah um, I so that. I love that, and I also love that. Um, I got I got so lucky this week, and just something told me to look at. I've always wanted to take Sully on his own, uh, like a like a mother son trip to New York City, just because, like, you know, he's just such an he's such an intellectual and like New York city is so exciting. And there's so many things there that I know he would love. Um, And so I wanted to take him when he turned 10, but COVID happened. And then um I decided just to look last minute, like, you know, cause I couldn't think of anything to get him for his birthday this year. And I found $88 round trip tickets to New York city. And it's I amazing. Like, ah, I'm going to go take him them. New- so I I bought tickets to take him, And then we're going to stay with my friend Milani for free. So it's like, Almost a free trip to New York City. And he's so excited. He keeps texting me things like, Mom, we could go to the Met. And I'm like, sure. He's like, can we go to the United Nations? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be like I, a school rec- field trip.
0: Oh, yeah. He's going to love every second yeah. of it. Um, can I recommend, I'm sure you have done this yeah. because you're from New York, but, um, I recommended this to Virginia, our friend Virginia, who just took her son to New York for his 10th birthday. And he had a blast was taking the, um, the like East river ferry. Is that and, like the
1: circle line? Um,
0: I don't know. Is it the it, circle
1: line that takes you to the Statue of Liberty? And
0: no, that? no, no. So it goes from okay. like, um, it goes from. Astoria, then Long Island City, like down to like Dumbo, like the, the park there. And then you can – you end in – I mean, you can take it. You can get on and off. But it ends like down um, in Wall Street. But it's like – it's the best views of the city. It's like $3 each. You can get a drink on it. You can be up top. Like it's the best way to see the city. Okay. I'll do um, that.
1: But I have yeah, a the circle line.
0: It's not the circle line. It's okay. great. It's great. When I was a kid
1: um, and I was on a field trip on the circle line – I was just sitting there and I had no idea that the person above me, like a kid above me was like chewing bubble gum and drooling it and spitting it down and it all landed in my hair and the (laughs) side of my arm and I like didn't realize it until it was too late and I had to spend the rest of this field trip covered in somebody else's bubble gum spit in my hair. It was horrible. Oh, that's a. Wh- I'll never go on that circle <laughs> line again. For as long
0: as I well, know. this is only. There's only. There's like an inside and then a, a t- up top. So you can nobody could spit on you from up top. Good. All right. There's not. It's it's much smaller. It's cool. Okay. You. I'll go.
1: Um.
0: Yeah, you can like go under the Brooklyn Bridge. It's beautiful. Um. Well, that's. I love that so much. I can't wait for you guys to go. I think that's gonna be such a fun trip. Thanks,
1: man. I'm excited. So what yeah. about you?
0: Um, Okay, so I'm going to bring it down a little bit, but um, a lot. Uh, So my something dumb is that uh, Hurricane Fiona hit Puerto Rico. Um, Mm -hmm. So now it's like almost a week later, and still like, almost 900,000 people there still don't have any water, electricity, like, they got over 30 inches of rain, there were people had to be rescued by national guard and you know, their economy has already took a huge hit from hurricane Maria, even though this wasn't as big of a hurricane, like it, they hadn't, you know, a lot of places haven't even recovered from that. So, um, so anyway, so as we always, when we talk about a disaster or something bad that we talk about, the thing we love is the helpers. And so, um, I just wanted to give a couple of places that I found, um, from NPR that are, helping on the ground. So just two places, the Brigada Solidaria del Oeste is um, a mutual aid uh, organization in Puerto Rico. They're asking for donations for emergency essentials. So first aid kits, water filters, solar lamps, water purification tablets. And you can donate um, through PayPal on Brigada Solidaria Oeste at gmail.com. And I'll put that because I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but I'll put that in the show notes. Um, also the Hispanic Federation, which is hispanicfederation.org. Um, they're already on the ground providing emergency relief services, so you can donate to them.
1: And those are the those are things I love. I love the helpers. I do too. Thank you for doing that, Sally. Well, you know, I'm just doing my part (laughs) (laughs) by looking up places. Um, Much appreciated.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Well, so that's our episode, you guys. Um, I hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, Hit us up, you know. Um, If you are, I don't know, if you live in Key West, you can come see me in Key West this week. I'm going to be there Thursday through Saturday uh, at Comedy Key West. I'm really excited, even though um, it does look like there is a... Big tropical storm coming that way, so I'm not sure. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll all see together whether or not I'm going to Key West. Come see me there from there. Go see Jen at the Laughing School Comedy Festival. She has like a million shows. Uh, if you look on her Instagram, you can see the whole list. Um, and just go to the Laughing School Comedy Festival in general. It's going to be a great time with lots of great comedians. It's this c- upcoming weekend. And follow us. Find us. We're all over the socials at Dumb Love Podcast. You can email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. You can rate and review. You can tell a friend. We would love that we
1: would. Um thank you guys for everything. Thank you for listening and don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love.